Well, a happy St. Patrick's Day to you, Aaron. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. It's just a, a grand, wonderful day to celebrate old Blarney Stone and and a corned beef and and drinking. That accent's gone a little British there, love. And uh, uh, why did I decide to do an accent? I don't know. I was just I was letting you uh, roll with it. Why did you let me roll with it? That was a terrible idea. <laughs> I wanted to see how far you were gonna go. No, I. You really, you really should have cut me off. You really didn't need to hear any more of Elizabeth attempting to be cultural. <laughs> She's Elizabeth. He's Aaron, and, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. And it is a happy St. Patty's Day. To everyone. And uh, we are celebrating in the most traditional way possible by going to a Catholic Mass. <laughs> yes, our uh, our brother is getting um, confirmed today, so we're going to get all dressy and nice and go uh, celebrate with him. Yes, and then after we celebrate uh, in church, we'll celebrate as Jesus intended with drinking. Of course, in, in a cigar, celebratory mm-hmm. cigar, as Jesus had on the cross. Yeah, as Jesus on the cross had a stogie in one hand and a glass of Merlot in the other, I believe that is in John, the gospel, if you need to look that up. Yes, uh, uh, John 316, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I so hoped you were going to go for a 316 reference. I, I so hope... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, 317. No. Today's uh, 317. But no, uh, today we are talking about a um, an interesting uh, subject for us because you and I have had this uh, subject in our lives for a, a while, um, you longer than I. Which is better, vanilla or chocolate? No, no. What's better? Chocolate. Book or movie? Yes. Uh, this is a, a subject that we've tried to tackle a few times. Um and we always try to bring an interesting, uh, we try to bring something interesting to the table. And so today, uh, we are kind of going back to quote unquote our roots and uh, going book versus movie. Yes. Um, which is what we try to call the the podcast, but everyone else seemed to have that idea. Yeah, it's almost like we are unoriginal and are just cobbling together ideas from better, more successful things. <laughs> it's almost like that, but it's not. It's almost, but it's not that. But it's not. Uh, TMTM, copyright, hashtag, Liz and Aaron. We are going to be talking about A Wrinkle in Time, the latest Disney movie, and comparing it to the original book by Madeline Lengel, who is a crazy prolific author, and we'll go more into detail about that as we go. But first, we'll try to stick spoiler-free just for our overall impression of the movie, but then we will get into spoilers, as we often do, because when you're comparing a book to a movie... There's a lot of things. Like, guys, I have a list here, and the list of things that are different between book and movie outweighs every other list I have, so be prepared. <laughs> yeah, I, this this is the um, episode of Liz having notes. I know. Or it's, more notes than Aaron. It like, takes... Or the, the, uh, another one, because I didn't take any notes this time. No, I'm very certain that whoever of us decides to hate the movie more is the one with the more copious note-taking. Um... Let's talk first about the premise. Uh, Madeline Langle wrote the book A Wrinkle in Time many moons ago, and the movie follows the basic plot structure much the same, in that it is about a family whose father has disappeared for a couple of years, and they're just trying to deal with their lives. We have our main character, Meg, who is a really brilliant girl, but uh, 
is bitter and antagonistic since the disappearance of her father because those around her are gossiping and talk about her like she should disappear and it's it does a good job of suggesting that both sides are to blame in this and that yes we could all be nicer but no maybe she is just reacting to really awful people in her life i have a question that you do not have to answer right now but i do i want to answer it in the podcast okay um is she as antagonistic or as rebellious i think maybe even a or um depressed maybe even a good one to say is she the same way in the book as she, is she to the same degree in the book as she was in the movie oh just as much just as much okay because it felt like it, and um we'll we'll and we'll get into the the movie in just a second but i um i i really felt like they they played that up so if it's the same then so then uh, when they talk about her faults yeah those faults are shown in the book just as much as in the movie okay so that's that's what i was that was one of the things i was curious about so <laughs> then um we have uh in the book she has two other brothers and then charles wallace who is the youngest who doesn't really know their father disappeared because he's so young. He's only six years old. Yeah. Um, and he's highly intelligent and just doesn't speak to anyone. I kind of I think I remember that. And one night there comes in the middle of a big storm that comes a knock at a door and a crazy tramp looking woman comes in and that kind of kicks the whole story into motion where they go to search for her father. Okay, so they did they did follow that in the movie. Okay. No, I'll tell you when they differ. Okay. I will tell you. So, um a little bit of backstory, actually. Um, Liz uh has read the book. She reread it before we watched the movie. Um, or right after the movie. No, no, you read it before the movie. Yes. That's right. Um, and uh she actually gave me a copy of A Wrinkle in Time forever ago. Like <laughs> Actually, um, for those of you who have heard this story back when we were dating in middle school, that story is a story for a different time. We may actually carve out a time of a podcast to tell a story. Special extra bonus episode. Ooh, that'd be kind of fun. Kind of give our our history. Our backstory. Yeah, and then be kind of, it'd be part of our ba- uh, About Us page on the, the website. So, But when I pulled off the book to reread it, we came to find out that it was, in fact, the exact same copy that I had given Aaron over 10 years ago. Yep. The exact same copy. So. <laughs> Um, I started reading it and I didn't stop because of what happened with us. I just stopped reading and I just never picked it back up because I remember the storm part of the book. And I remember because there is this a... book literally starts off with it was a dark and stormy night, <laughs> which is so fun. Uh, but the um, uh, I remember because there is a third character uh, that is uh, much more of a present or as much a sorry, excuse me, is a presence in the movie. Calvin uh, kind of a- just as much in the book. Yeah. Our final protagonist, our final hero is Calvin, who is just a person, a friend. No, a person who goes to school with them whom they befriend when Charles Wallace brings Meg to go visit one of the misses, and they find Calvin there too. It is hinted in the very beginning that Calvin has a a similar sort of wisdom or other ability, much like Charles Wallace does. Because Charles Wallace is beyond precocious, he actually has some sort of gift that we're not made privy to the exact ramifications of, but he can hear things. Uh, same with Calvin. Not the same sort of intelligence, but there's they hint at some sort of, we're going to use a Stephen King thing here, some sort of shining. Yeah, it, uh, they they hint at it in the movie for both of the characters, but they never 
fully explore it. Um, so I guess, well, I mean, you've, you've given a pretty good synopsis at the moment. Um, they, they travel through the universe with the missus to try to find, uh, Charles Wallace's and Meg's father. Um, and there is, um, a lot of kind of neat things that happen, but right now, let's just go, do you want to go ahead and slap a spoiler? I would like to do things that we liked. Let's do things that we liked, because those are spoiler free. Okay, okay. Um, my things that I liked are, not to say I won't like things later in this podcast, but the things that I liked a lot was the actors that they chose to play these characters. I think, because you and I discussed this, uh, we watched this the other night, and you and I kind of discussed this, and I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what I said. You were uh, afraid that they would uh, lean on the Oprah stick a little too heavily. Oh, it's gosh. Oprah, it's Oprah. Now, she was the first person credited in the credits, but it did not last any longer than anyone else's credits, and they didn't overplay well, her, her role. The, yeah, the three misses and then the main character of Meg, they each got equal kind of credit time because they did this thing where they brought up the name and then showed multiple pictures from the the movie, but all four of them got the, the equal credit time. So I, I did like that to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the actors they chose to play. We have Chris Pine as the missing father. Yeah. Um, the, the I had to make sure father. I had the rice Chris. There are so many white Chris's out there, Aaron. <laughs> Uh, Chris Prine, Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth, Chris, Chris Evans, Chris Evans, a lot of white Chris's, dude. Yeah. Uh, so this is Chris Pine, who I think does a very good job. It's a it's a complicated role when they do find him, so I appreciate that he works it, and that we actually get some backstory of him and his wife because we don't get that in the book. We just know that they loved each other and love each other and that she's waiting for him. But we don't get, a, you know, any sort of interaction between the two of them, which they have in the beginning as kind of like a little prelude. And then in flashback showing uh, how how he learns how to uh, how to present his idea of wrinkling time. Well, we also get, um, I think all the children actors are competent. I think they all do a good job. None of them was terrible. And w- We'll, um, you'll have to remind me, but um, there, there is one or two aspects that I didn't like, but they, there, I, I, I will, I will throw an, at, uh, I'll pretty much say a lot of the things that I have to say about the movie are fairly nitpicky. I mean, what is this podcast but nitpicky? <laughs> but um, so I, I thought I was going to dislike the the children actor, the child actors, the the children more than I did. I, I, I had this feeling before I went into the movie and I actually, um, they all did a, at least a decent job at the minimum, a decent job. I think so. Um, another cool thing I liked about this movie is the visuals. Oof, this yeah, the is vi- a visually engaging, interesting, intriguing movie whether it's the costume design or the CGI environments, it's colorful and bright, and they use every inch of the screen to their advantage. Yeah, I disagree I, with that. I definitely enjoy the costume design most. I think um, it's the one thing that doesn't seem at all doesn't seem very much in character with the book. But I appreciate these crazy costume designs because I get what they're doing. If you'll let me get on the soapbox for just a moment. Uh, yeah, um, go ahead. We're, we're still spoiler-free. It's all still spoiler-free. And what I want to do uh, before we get into the spoiler territory is kind of, because, so that way if people are like, okay, you know, I want to kind of hear what they say and then, uh, but I don't want to get into spoilers, I'll, I'll say what my 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 full thoughts were mm-hmm. and then we'll get into spoiler territory, sorry. Yeah. So go ahead, yeah, hop on your soapbox. Oh, whoa, wait, hey, come down, come down. You don't need to jump that high. <laughs> 
I'm going to be a little baby social justice warrior for just a minute because those complaints that I've heard had nothing to do with my enjoyment of the movie, but they are worth addressing. Okay. Um, there's been talk about uh, why the characters are so ethically diverse. There isn't much talked about in the book as to what these characters look like. Uh, even the thing about Meg not liking her hair is in the book too. So it could be any girl who just doesn't like, you know, her crazy mousy brown frizzle hair. Um, So it could be that uh, we have this idea that there's this mixed family where we have a white dad and a black mom and a black girl and an adopted Chinese Asian... Asian descent. Asian descent child, um, which is never, like, hammered in any way to make it be like, this is a point we're making, so... Like, like, uh, how dare you two be together? Like, the, the fact that it is a mixed race family it's, is never addressed which is it's how just it should there. be and i absolutely agree i mean i my family is well not my completely immediate family but my uncle um is in a mixed race family and there's i and i grew up with mixed race cousins like they're younger than me and i grew up with them it was never a big deal to me so to that see that on cinema was really nice i'm glad that we're at a point where that exists where we can just say this character we are going to make African-American. Why? Because there's a lot of African-American people out there and it'd be silly to assume we're always all white all the time. Not even that she has characteristics as an ethnic person that would show up. She's she's just a child with her own quirks and faults. You wouldn't say any of her characteristics are distinctly of one race. Yeah, which is absolutely. Im- which is important because you don't want to do stereotypes. Um, that's And that's something I uh, I remember saying the other night was that easily could have been like the, um, the daughter from... Uh, Jurassic Park, The Lost World, or almost any, or uh, Freddy versus Jason, any any of those movies that typically have a younger black female, that she's got some sort of sass, some sort of like sarcastic, or sarcastic, um, sardonic, you know, part of her personality. And can this character get a little sarcastic? Yeah, but she's a teenager. That It was never like, oh, because she's a black teenager, she is sarcastic. She's a, She might be a little sarcastic because she's a depressed teenager. I never felt like they they played up the race or the the fact uh, the 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 race the age or the the sex like at all mm-hmm. for for that area of things yeah and um the other reason i really like the visuals and all the different costume changes is this when wonder woman came out suddenly girls had an entirely new character they could be that costumes were being produced for them that they could do it really if i have to be honest started with harley quinn and suicide squad because the, dis- the though, depiction though that costume is terrible and is kind of a terrible example i would still agree with that was, thought process it was clearly cla- clearly crafted in a way that meant you could wear these clothes you could dress up as this character. This wasn't a spandex suit that you would have to make yourself and spend $100 on. This was, we're going to make products that you can buy for yourself or for your daughter. If she wants to dress up as Harley Quinn, she gets to dress up as Harley Quinn. Then you had one woman come out and suddenly a million one woman products flooded the shelves. We could dress in one woman in any circumstance. My favorite uh, thing that's come from this, which is both, and it's actually happened for both male and female, where it's the, the more casual cosplay items or like the batman inspired jacket like uh thinkgeek.com actually has um a jacket multiple jackets i think actually a suit jacket a bike jacket like a motorcycle jacket and then just kind of a typical 
typical jacket that all it's the only thing that's Batman themed really is that there is a seam on the back in the shape of the um, the the symbol and that's it the like yeah. and that's and it's real I love that that's just that little subtle detail but there's a lot of casual wear especially now after Woman Woman there's like the her universe stuff mm-hmm. that like absolutely has come out and it's like oh hey do you want to wear a pair of Wonder Woman boots as you walk along um, just you know every any given day here you go the cool thing about Wrinkle in Time is that the misses are given several outfits several hairstyles several makeups they always look really cool they always look like they have a distinct visual personality even when they change costumes and I not a doubt in my mind we will see cosplayers this year as some of the misses especially at Dragon Con the, the cosplay mecca yeah and that'll be the cool thing because we have a Indian woman a black woman and a white woman as the misses you know what i just realized that there were three different um races and even you could even say um acting backgrounds you know reese witherspoon started as kind of a a younger you know uh younger actress um starting in you know smaller roles and then working her way up um oprah of course being on the talk show circuit with also you know having acting credits i think she's been oscar nominated i believe so um and of course i think reese is actually won a oscar and then you have mindy calling a a stand-up comedian turned writer turned um you know television star so yeah that i I just realized that thank you for pointing that out to me (laughs) um the final thing i'll say about the visuals before we get into spoiler territory um is the act of tessering they really do provide uh, a very pretty cool image of what a tesser looks like from the outside and from the inside from a lot of different perspectives in a way that you uh, don't get in the book, and I do appreciate their visual interpretation. That yeah, that was one area, and that's something that um, when filmmakers do it right, that's uh, one of those areas. It's like one of those things that maybe is underexplained, or you can't fully grasp it in um, in a written format, or with written without visual, like like a non comic book type format. Um, that's one area that whenever they do something right. It's it is absolutely astounding. So, um, so before we get into spoiler territory, so we're, we'll we'll go ahead and we'll slap a spoiler here, uh, slap a spoiler warning on here in just a second. Um, I like how we keep saying that we don't have any sort of like sound effect that we splice in or anything like that. I didn't think we were going to. <laughs> I certainly will not be editing any further than I have. To. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's just go ahead and give our our. Th- Thoughts. We're not going to do our actual rating. I have too much to say after this, so I'm going to okay. let you go ahead and give your opinion. All right. So I'm going to give my opinion then, and then then we'll go. Then we'll jump into spoiler territory. All right. So I didn't think this movie was a bad movie. I thought it um, it was well constructed in a lot of areas. Um, that some of the acting really um, shown, and um, the uh, there there's some interesting ideas explored. That doesn't mean I liked it, but that's okay. It's okay. And that's that's an area of uh, criticism or critiques that people don't always really explore is that um, I would actually have to say, except for Nostalgia Critic, because he he is in the greatest sense of the term a critic. He will find the faults in something because finding the criticisms, but he'll also know where to say, point out the what they do right. So, um, you know, there's both good and bad critiques, you know, positive um, and constructive. And that's what you need to do is like find and don't just say, oh, this is bad. Why is it bad? What how to go through it? So I did not care for the movie overall, but it's not a bad movie. 
Like, be, and it's not a bad thing. This movie wasn't made for me. I'm a nearly 30-year-old, uh, you know, adult white male. This movie was not made for me. And there's nothing wrong with that. Considering the entire history of movies have been made for adult white men, I exactly. think. Exactly. I've got plenty to choose from and there's going to be plenty made for me. There's two coming up at least that I'm really excited for. Deadpool and uh, you know, uh, Infinity War. And I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to those movies that were made for the geeky adult white male. Um, I, I, and, and that's absolutely fine. We may find the same critique uh in black panther i adored black panther um i do know that there were points during black panther that you uh said you know at this point i realized this movie wasn't made for me and for me it it harkened back to the one woman days when you saw one woman you're like i'm glad that you liked it i don't think it was made for me and there is something to be said about your audience because a woman will have a very different reaction to one woman than a man will and, and there's I'm not nothing saying, wrong with that yeah you're, you're because they don't have the same experiences. It'd be very hard for a man to have a similar experience that a woman does when watching one woman for the first time. And, and that's and that's the thing is, and like, um, I will say if I had to classify these three movies, um, you know, Wrinkle in Time, Wonder Woman, and Black Panther, which one did I like the most? Wonder Woman. Which one's probably the clo- made for the closest to my demographic? Wonder Woman. Are any of the three movies bad? Absolutely not. Like, um, you can definitely feel some influence from Disney on this because it doesn't feel, and I know your list for what We're gonna has been changed. We're going to have to talk about it. There's yeah. some, I, I have been very good. We watched this movie two nights ago. I have been very good about not telling Aaron the very specific things that I was expecting to get cut from this movie and then did ended up getting cut. I didn't share with this with him. I want him to get, <laughs> I want to get his honest reaction here on yeah. live camera. So yeah, so you will, uh, or on a microphone at least. <laughs> so you guys will be hearing, I, I, and I helped her with that too. I try not to ask specific questions or I try not to ask too many of them either. So um, my, my thought is, is it's a good movie. Um, your kids will probably love it. Um, so definitely take them and watch it. However, I did I, I did not enjoy it as thoroughly as I could. Again, that's not that big of a deal. If someone else, if, if, like, um, what's it? Uh, I watched the review for uh, the Ghostbusters movie, the 2016 version, the Nostalgia Critic one, and his biggest message that came across that for that re- review at all is, is, if you like it, that's great. If you didn't like it, that's great too. And, and We're like, all allowed to have our own opinions. I exactly. think the overarching theme, which we see a lot in comic books, is that just because one female-led or ethnicity-led film doesn't make it, doesn't mean you shouldn't keep trying to make better ones. Exactly. Because there's a million shitty regular movies like Transformers, and like we everyone, still keep making that. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they, they're um, what was it with the or like the Chipmunks movies? You know, those movies were not made for children. They were made to sell toys, and they're still making them, even though children hate them now. You know, <laughs> um, but like with uh, you know, with Black Panther, like oh, it's the first uh, Marvel or this first black superhero, and then Shaft's over there like um, Steel. It wasn't a good movie, but it was made, and then it was like Blade. oh no, it's Marvel, and it's like no blade um and it's like and blade wasn't that bad the first blade wasn't that bad of a movie and at least the third one had ryan reynolds in it you know it's it's really interesting how people like to kind of get real specifically blind about things or they turn a blind eye to a lot of different things i think it's important when one movie in a different genre wrecks the curve in a good way i think it's those are the important films worth noting get out winning a best original screenplay correct and that's in the oscars were hard this year because like i 
there were so many people. I'm like, you know, Sam Rockwell winning uh, Best Supporting Actor. His very first Oscar. Absolutely deserves it. I wish Richard um, Jenkins would have won, though. That's that. That's what who I would have picked because of, you know, Shape of Water. And, you know, Shape of Water won Best Picture. You know, easily could have been any of the other ones. It's This was a... This was a bad Oscars because it was so stacked. There's plenty of times when it's like <laughs> there's um, nothing. It's like best best actor or like best supporting actor. Whenever Heath Ledger for the Joker came up, n- everyone knew it wasn't going to be anything else besides Heath Ledger as the Joker. Is yeah. a posthumous. Um, is it humus or home? posthumous? Posthumous. Sorry. Um, a posthumous humor or Oscar. So um, my my uh, my thought with it is it is a good movie. I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have because it wasn't made for me. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, Moana, I loved, wasn't made for me. Um, Black Panther, I liked a lot. Um, I loved the villain. I thought the villain was one of the most grounded villains. Like, he was still, like, really, really out there, but he was still incredibly grounded. When you have your villain tap into a very real problem in today's society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna resonate. And it like, and he, oh, he almost There's gets no, like we love he, he Loki. Get redeemed at the end, but he gets his weird own personal redemption. Oh my god, we do love Loki, but Loki's Look, Loki's Loki is a trickster Norse god. I mean, how he's not relatable, guys. Yeah. <laughs> He's relatable because Tom Hiddleston makes him relatable. Yeah. Tom Hiddleston, if you're listening, you want to come on the podcast, just let it me know because I would love, love, love you to hear me here. So, um, that sounded so freaking creepy. I'm sorry, guys. Oh boy, Aaron, we need to step <laughs> away. We need to go All into right, spoiler so territory. Slap a big little spoiler on there because we are jumping into it now. So <laughs> we keep it mean suspense so over I'm... here. What are your spoilers? <laughs> The as we were talking about with the visuals, as there are some there there are some great visuals, especially at the end, um, where uh, Meg is testering back home because she's able to test her at the end of the movie. She during this time has had difficulty testering. In the book, it's not really led that way. In the book, uh, Mrs. Whatsit never doubts her abilities. Never goes. I don't. I'm not sure why she's here, Charles Walls. It's not that she can actually, you know, do this part. I get why they changed that for the movie to make her more relatable, give her an arc. I don't mind that. Um, but in the book, she doesn't really have a trouble tessering. She doesn't have. In the movie, they make it seem as though she's getting caught inside the tesser. It's dark and she can't see, and she's getting she, stuck yeah, in, she keeps, in like, like, sheets, getting up against like the, the the side of it, which is really strange. They could have. I feel like they could have done that better. And at the end, you when she has, you know, come into her own and she has the ability and she's learned things and grown and now she gets to test her. She does it by herself. And it's like this beautiful tapestry that she's floating in and glitter in her eyes and she's kaleidoscoping everywhere. It's so gorgeous. Um, It's very... I don't. I don't want to say reminiscent because, um, but because I don't feel that is correct. But I feel like there is a weird um, homage. Not even homage. No, I. I feel like it's similar in style in the weird in the way the shot is and the way the person is still. Everything else is moving and like the depth of the fields and everything like that reminds me a lot of Inception. Those like big grand space movements when like the the plane is moving everything else around it or what have you yeah like, i really feel like those are the kind of like that shot with her with the the glitter on her eyes and like all the colors changing i i felt like that could have easily have been an inception in its own way so yeah however that being said there are some shitty cgi and shot things in this movie 
Okay, so let's talk about the one that I you told me. I feel bad for saying shitty on this because it, it's not, again, it's not a terrible movie, but there are some things they did not execute well. Um, I think we're going to talk about one of the main discrepancies from the book, which you would know if you ever saw the cover of A Wrinkle in Time. Um, I know that one of the main problems you had with the CGI was Mrs. Whatsit turning into something not human. That's the actual character name if you don't know. That's Mrs. Oh, yes, Whatsit. we have Mrs. Whatsit, Or Mrs. Though at this Who, point you should know what the character's name is. Mrs. Whatsit, Mrs. Who, and Mrs. Witch. Yeah. And Mrs. Whatsit is the youngest, but she's still like two billion years old. Do you know in the book that she was a star? Like, she was literally a star that fought the darkness. That's cool. And she That's fought it and Mrs. she lost. Mrs. Whatsit, right? Mrs. Whatsit was literally a star that fought the darkness and gave her life to end it, but in the end had to become this. She was no longer a star anymore. Okay. Just like this really just, and it's just this cool little line that gets thrown in and everyone's like, that's really cool. And that's when, and you realize these beings aren't humans at all. There's something crazier and cooler than us. Yeah, and they, you kind of, you you get th- that they're trying to show that. And Reese Witherspoon is probably the weakest of the three uh, misses, though she's not bad, if that if that makes sense. Her, her performance, and I, I, I'm going to say, I don't think it's the direction. I think it's the writing. It was how she, how the She delivered it in a way, all these, all the misses in the book are old women. They are not young smooth face when they are all old women mrs what's it is like this tramp covered in a million different cloths and hats and scarves and big waiters and very old but sprightly could you see like betty y and Helen yes and, oh my uh, gosh i didn't know i needed that until you said it and like uh uh who'd be a good third one um man there, uh, there's there's plenty of them out there but like betty white maybe as mrs Watson and uh uh helen murin as mrs Oh, the woman Rich. who was from Touched by an Angel, the old, beautiful black She's woman. She's no longer around. She would have been perfect as one of the misses, yeah. though. Yeah, and of course, I'm naming old white women, but, I mean, you... They're, not, in in not that way, say, Oprah does a good job, because she ha- carries an age and gravitas with her. Very true, and I don't know who would have car- who would have done it in a similar way besides Oprah, because Oprah does bring a gravitas you think oh it's oprah you know they brought her on for the name recognition oprah doesn't do that bad of a job there are moments when i'm just like oh it's oprah but there are times when i'm able to kind of get past that it's oprah so so the misses are all old in the book i don't mind that they updated it again i'm very certain it's because they want to show these really cool costuming and cosplay ideas for girls of different uh, ethnicities that you can, like, you can dress up as any one of these characters and they have a million outfits to pick from. It's supposed... I, I don't mind that. What I do mind is why they didn't take the visuals that already existed and stick with them. Mrs. What's it in the movie turns into this uh, giant leaf dragon, which is cool, but... I saw, like, a leaf, um, like, a, one of those fish that was, like, real at the bottom of the sea. Yeah. Like, because um, the, the middle of the body is real... Um, not skinny. Sti- not skinny, but... Um, the, the It's flat. It's flat, but the, the middle of the body doesn't really move, but it ripples through the water. There's, like, um, amoebas and stuff like that. If you've ever seen the edge of a cuttlefish, it yes, looks like a that. a cuttlefish. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. It looks like a, the, like a cuttlefish mixed with a leaf. Yeah. It doesn't look that good, though. <laughs> like, yeah, all of all of our we took my brothers to see it. They all snickered when they saw the face, and one of them was even like, "Oh my gosh, she's hideous!" So she that's looks, not the. If point. you've ever seen the movie Epic, where they they have like yeah. the, the different kind of creatures, and there's like one creature that's actually made of like plants and trees and stuff like that. This like it looks like it's straight out of that movie Epic. So here's the deal: 
In the book, Mrs. Whatsit turns into a giant centaur with wings. And it's literally the cover of the book. Literally the cover of The Wrinkle in Time. That is what she turns into, this beautiful white centaur with wings. And I just, I'm so confused why they didn't do that. I can see them having not necessarily an issue with that, but trying to avoid it, maybe? like Why would they want to avoid it? Well, I mean, I'm looking at the cover right now, and I didn't know that that was the... Because I, I didn't read that far. Yeah, when... Like, that's the that's really cool thing. Like, it destroys, like, gender barriers. Because when Mrs. Whatsit changes, the children all call her Mrs. Whatsit. And she likes being Mrs. Whatsit. And she doesn't want a different name every time she changes. But when she changes, it is into a male centaur with wings. Yeah, because what ha- it- and the children are like like so like what and she's like it's still me no matter what I look like it's still me and this is more <laughs> of what she looked like like that would have been more gender positive than yeah than doing it the I way think they maybe did maybe would have just but- maybe they're afraid kids can't figure it out but I think they can I think kids have an easier time understanding it than adults sometimes because look at how hard we've had issues doing with uh, with gender and um you know and transitions and stuff like that. Uh, that people have had in our unfortunately our nation we're not going to get political on this one though but i will Uh, say she you had the visual already in there guys yeah it's it's very strange that they changed and again they changed it and the visuals weren't that good they didn't look terrible it's not like freaking um food fight out there but they don't look good either it's the uncanny valley is way too large in it and then when she's changing into this creature, Reese Witherspoon just kind of turns around. She's and like, Wonder Woman spinning. It's not even really that good of Wonder Woman spinning either. It's just like she has, she just kind of spins and like like pieces of her dress kind of fly off and it's not good CGI and she's just kind of awkwardly spinning and it's not that well done. And like, honestly, this entire scene of CGI is so, they're going hit for, you over the head. They're going like for, whimsy they're going for this cool thing um in the book when she changes into a centaur um she changes that way so she can take the children up into uh the atmosphere above the atmosphere to see the it more clearly the it that they are fighting on Kamazots. Um, so they actually go up above the atmosphere. She's the only creature powerful enough to get them up there, which is why she changes into that. And then they see it from very far away. Um, so they get, again, all these ideas are still kept in place. I even like the addition of these flower things. The little flowers that speak in color weren't in the book, but I love that they're talking and all of a sudden Mrs. What's it's like, oh, I know what they're saying. I speak color. And I'm like, that's great. That's so whimsical, but still scientific. Yes, that, yeah, I absolutely <laughs> agree that's an interesting addition that it's not necessary but it didn't detract either Mm -hmm. there is never an explanation to the children of what a wrinkle in time is we see it on a screen behind the parents when they're presenting at the academy about you know how we can go from a to b fast as opposed to you know the speed of light and we get a behind the scenes of that. But even in this book, this book has no illustrations except for the depiction of what a wrinkle in time is. And literally, they're all sitting on this planet after they figure out what the it is. And Mrs. Who holds up her skirt and says, if an ant walked from one from my one hand holding up the skirt on this side to the other hand, it would have to walk a very long way. But what if I brought my hands together? And then it shows that the ant would only have to walk a very short way to cover the same amount of distance. And that and, is a wrinkle in time. And the distance doesn't get short, or the distance doesn't does get shortened but it is not deleted yes it's not like just completely like ignored it's literally just kind of moved to the side if you will Mm -hmm. um like kind of like um if you took 
uh, two pieces of paper. I mean, it's this. Eh, it's actually the same metaphor. <laughs> yeah. So there's, they've done it before in different sci-fi movies. They did it in Inception. They did it in Alien. There's a lot of uh, places where they show how a wormhole works, which is exactly. basically yeah. what they're suggesting a wrinkle in time is. Yeah, it was that movie. Um, oh, the sci-fi movie with the guy from Jurassic Park. Uh, Nostalgia Critic talked about it. Event Horizon. <laughs> Event Horizon. Yeah, they show it in that too. Yeah. Um. So the depiction. Um. Since it's the title of the book, uh, I wish that they had shown that again that's a little discrepancy that's a nitpicky at this point um because they do at some amount show what a wrinkle in time is and they introduce the idea that love is the frequency to tesser that's not really what it says in the book the book makes it as though um when the father disappeared he was commissioned by the army to go and try tessering and so they sent the first guy and he never came back and he was the guy who was pulled to go second and he was really scared about it but he's also really excited because he gets to go see the universe yeah so the it was the idea that the missus explains is that humanity is treating the tessering like a machine to be controlled when it's not and that's how the missus are able to travel so much easier than Uh, humans are okay um, I like the idea of love as a frequency. It's not like it's hackneyed they, or anything. And they kind of explore it in the movie. They they present it in a way that if you read the book, you know what they're talking about. But if you've not read the book, like, you know, if you've read the book like Elizabeth or not read the book like me. There are a lot of quotes and dialogue, guys, that I feel that half the audience did not hear because they are strictly from the book. So I knew what they were saying. Do you know why Mrs. What's It is dressed in those white clothes at the beginning? Oh, when she like when she first arrived? Yes. Do you know why? No, they never explain it. Charles Wallace does in a line that isn't edited clearly or spoken clearly. I told you not to steal those sheets from the sheriff's wife. Literally, the whole beginning story of this is they're sitting in the dark and talking about this tramp who's been stealing the sheets from around town. And they're like, and Charles Wallace is like, oh, it's Mrs. Watson. And they're like, who? You shouldn't be hanging around with a person like that. And literally, she blows in with all of the sheets that she's been accumulating on her body. And Charles Wallace does say in the movie, you shouldn't have stolen those sheets. But because it's not said clearly or edited incorrectly, the audience, I don't even think half of them heard it. That's part of the problem with this movie, um, that they they made the assumption that a lot of people read this book, so they didn't have to explain as many things as they should have. And they over-explained some other things to the point where it's like it's it almost is hackneyed and it's 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 a strange um beast that they have to tame whenever you're adapting a book there are some that are so good and so well done that you that they the movie becomes a separate entity from the book unfortunately none of the harry potters are this way um, the Harry Potter books are, if you watch the movies, you understand a lot, but there's a lot missing. With this book, it's almost like they assumed that people read the books. They didn't have to explain as much as they felt like, but then they're like, but but we're going to over-explain other things. And it doesn't make sense why they're doing it that way or why they chose to do it that way. I don't know if it's the director, the writer, or even the studio influence, because it easily could be one of the three. But one big thing is, is like, you can tell, when was this book originally written? Um, because you've got the, the copy right there. Yeah, this book is uh, pretty old. Cause I, the yeah, the Newberries like, were all one, like, in, like, 1980. Uh, this book... What do you mean? Oh, the when she when she awarded. won the awards. This was in the... copyright is for 1962. So this book... Oh my god, this book is almost um old. This book is almost 60 years old. Yes. It's um wow, like 60 um just about 65 years old or 55 years old. So this book is old and and I don't mean like oh this book is old. I mean more so that this book 
has a different language. Even if you look at the language from 10 years ago, 2008, the the way we the way we it's talk, like the way trying, we speak. I know exactly what it reminds me of. It reminds me of Bridge of Terabithia. Disney tried this before. They took a beloved <sighs> children's book oh my God, that and made Bridge to Bridge of Terabithia. And it has a language that does not work if you bring it into modern day. And but then they don't update it correctly either. So it's and that's a problem with um or like what uh no Disney tried to do it again with the freaking uh, Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe because it yeah. was Disney made. Like there there are there are ways that when literature is written older and it's made older or well, sorry rather when it's just written older it works. It's if it's timeless enough it, it's okay. But when it's a movie if you're either so set in the date that it's timeless kind of like um demolition man or you're so timeless that it can work at any point princess bride let's be honest princess bride is pretty timeless because that movie was made in the 80s and i watch it now and i still get themes that like i want to see today and there are lots of problems with the language that this was written in and part of it is the children the children are very intelligent and precocious in the book it is hard to get that through charmingly in film these and, and, I, and i'm gonna give these actors credit um the 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 main actress and the main actor the of uh, megan um or the only actors but the actor for meg and the actor for charles wallace i honestly felt like they tried I felt like the director gave them some good direction. I felt like they had points when they were able to kind of explore the character. And with Charles Wallace more so than Meg, which usually is the other way around for me. But Charles Wallace came off as annoying at times. And I don't mean, oh, because he's so smart. How he delivers the lines. Mm -hmm. There's at one point where two teachers are like, discussing the disappearance and they're not discussing it in a very good light they're saying oh i bet he's just in singapore with some new wife and uh yeah they were they were that assholey in the book too i i understand that but like and then he's like shame on you for talking that way that line i like i thought i was gonna hate it how he was gonna do it but he's like shame on you for doing blah 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 okay kid i'm behind you yes yeah, shame on them and then he continues and then he starts like telling me that she has so much potential she has more potential this but how this kid delivers the line is so i don't i, I don't want to say screechy because it's not a a physical way of how he's saying it but it's how he's expressing the emotion it's the the emotion that he's putting behind it he's not shouting it because he believes it he's shouting it because he's trying to get the line out and i don't know again and i, I and this is this is something i've been trying to really hard to do recently at least since we've started the podcast at the minimum and i'm not trying to blame the director i'm not trying to blame the writer and i'm not trying to blame the actor because i don't know which one it made that final call of who, who how this line is said whether it was the writer saying no 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 just shout it like like you're just trying to get it off of your chest or if it was the director giving them that direction or if it was the actor saying i'm gonna just shout it like i'm just trying to get it off my chest just to get through the line it's a hard day I'm, I'm already tired i don't honestly know and i will never know but how that line has gotten across is it just he's just trying to get it out He's just like, Meg, you have more potential than your one little finger than anyone else in this entire world. It comes across very disgenuine. Ungenuine, disgenuine. Disingenuous. Disingenuous. It comes off very disingenuous. And, and it kind of started this pattern with Charles Wallace. There were times when I was like, hell yeah, son, let's get it. Let's get it done and let's get it right. Like, he's almost like a little manny from a modern family there's when he's a when he's more a manny than he's anything else it works and i'm not saying because he has to be like this one character it's that that kind of genuine 
genuine, genuine, blah, blah, blah. when he's more genuine, he works better. But when he's, when it's not as genuine, when he's in the, it, like, there's at one point he has, like, the it's influence in him too much and he almost becomes the quote unquote villain. It, it's not. It, I, I, I was, honestly, I was waiting to get through the motions. I was like, come on, let's finish this. Like, honestly, there's uh, about the last fourth of the movie. I was just sitting there with my head in my hand. I was like, can we can we just finish this? Let's I'm just talk, I'm tired of this. Let's talk about the last fourth of the movie. Because there's a big, there's a big honking uh, missing portion. If you've read the book, you are ultimately confused. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the, the last fourth. Uh, maybe do any last notes that we had. And then we'll do our rating. Good, Aaron. Keep us on track. All right. So the it in the book... It's depicted as a brain that's just a little too big. It's just a little too big. I am a giant brain. Yeah. Okay, and in the book... Oh, Mr. Brainly, they tell us that you are a giant brain. In the books, again, in books you can get away with things. So their interpretation of that is to make it like you're inside a giant brain. Uh, it's very cloudy, but it looks like neurons are firing and... And I got it, but it's But they not... never, they never say... The it is a giant brain. Yeah. They never say the it is sheer intelligence. They never say that. Hmm. That's an interesting kind of... I don't know if it's from the original book or if it's more from the... Well, I guess if she's saying it's a brain, it's logic versus love. This whole fight is logic versus love. At the end, it is in the book. In the book, Meg is trying different things. She tries anger. And the anger just makes... um, When you enter the influence of it... It's like a rhythm. You see it when they encounter the children all bouncing the ball in the same way. Oof. And moms walk out in the same way. And that's how it sucks you into its rhythm and repetition. And you, you lose yourself in it. That's how the man in the red man with the red eyes sucks them in. Because he's saying, well, one times two is two. And one times three is three. And like he just keeps a rhythm going. And it just sucks you in. And you just start getting lost the fir- in the logic the, of but it. In the movie, I don't know if this is the same for the book. The movie... Um, he can't stand the rhythm. It's he says it's off. He doesn't like it. Again, another area that he didn't like. This actor did not get across that he was like, it was making him uneasy. He was just like, oh, this, no, they had I don't to like show, this rhythm. I yeah, don't like they this need rhythm. to. They need to show more because that's that pervasive rhythm. It shows up a lot, and why Charles Wallace is different. When he tastes the food, it tastes like sand. When the they start trying to trap him with that rhythm in the book. He fights it off like several times before he chooses to go in because he's like, guys, I have to go find dad. If I choose to go in, I bet I can come back out. And they're like, no, don't leave. He's like, no, I bet if I go in, I can come back. And that's how he loses himself. So his overconfidence is what traps him. And see, okay, see, that's so much better. Yeah. Because that shows, that gives the character another level, that gives this character who's six years old another level. He's very intelligent and mature in that way. Yeah, so he's like, I'm going to go in and get dad and then I'll come back. That is such a waste opportunity they absolutely the man of the the man with the red eyes who is well who is very well played by michael pena oh yeah uh well well, that's that's a part of our final notes he manages to trick charles wallace in the movie instantaneously where in the book they know something's off and he keeps fighting him again and again he's like oh you're a tough one aren't you charles wallace it's gonna like that like all this really foreboding stuff we've not even seen what it is at this point by the way the most um under inspired name for uh, um, a bad thing since the darkness in um <laughs> well, or, or, it, what was it in the never ending story the nothing the nothing so this is the it capital it yeah. the it and i'll tell you why when we get to the very last thing they cut that i really don't understand why it was called the it um 
But Meg tries to fight it in several different ways. Um, she tries to fight with anger and with hatred. And after many times, the things it says to her through Charles Wallace, you know, the misses don't even love you. And she says, that's not true. I know they love me. And she breaks free and she's like, it was love. Oh my God. Yes, I can do this. I can love. I can do anything I with can't the power love, of love. I can't love the it. The it is pure evil. But I can love Charles Wallace. And that is what breaks them all free. So, and it's, they kind of explored in the movie, but not it really been more. that well. There's a lot more we could have done. I didn't done. like. I didn't so like the, the whole deal. thing with where they showed her like this is what you could be. We'll send this back. To, we'll make you this way. And it's like her hair because she has um, very curly, very wavy hair. Um, not not necessarily an afro, but like the big kind of poofy hair that she does put in a ponytail every so often, and she hates it. And you know, typical teenager stuff. But she like they show her, and she's like got fashion sense. They show her a Forever Twenty One model, basically. Yeah. It, like, I'm like you could be her. Uh, it, like I, I I felt bad for girls at that point, and I mean like I feel bad for girls in multiple points during this movie. Not because like you're being represented ter- terribly, but it's just like I mean we were all teenagers and we all had self confidence and self image issues, and they actually show that was one thing I did like is that they show um, about how the influence the of the it. You think that it's just on Camazots. And then you realize the planet that you're seeing, it's not Camazots, it's Earth being surrounded by the darkness. <gasps> it was Earth the whole time. Um, and you see how the its influence has been f- constantly trying to get Earth all this time. And it shows, like, you know, how it how it, how the it comes through in jealousy and in um, in, in uh, sadness and shame. in fear and shame. Because uh, the girl, the Meg, has a bully who does a lot of shit to her and, like, and then, like, she has to apologize. Which, uh, that just never makes fucking sense to me. But um, and then like it shows that she's actually dealing with a lot of self confidence and self and and self uh, self image issues. Self image issues like uh, her body uh, image and stuff like that. And she's actually a very kind of petite girl. And the fact that she has this at all shows that mental illness is no laughing matter. So and then it shows like the two teachers near the beginning of the movie are acting out. And it's not. A, a, excusing none, none of this is excusing the behavior but it's explaining it why calvin has a father who berates him for getting bees like, well, they never show that they, yeah, they, yeah, just they did show, it, that was calvin who was sitting in that yes sofa. but they never show why the father is berating him they oh, just show yeah. the father berating him but it shows but that but that's a great example because it shows how these people are dealing with their fear and their jealousy and their shame and that they're acting out and they're letting it come through as you know as vile and as evil whereas is with calvin the the one character we've not really talked about as much how he actually is like one he tries to make everyone happy but it's just a different way to try to soothe the pain it's not curing it or anything like that so so here's the deal the final fourth this movie is them um being taken to it and she will not go meg will not leave charles wallace behind her father trying to test them all off this planet and save them and he can't save charles wallace um but meg refuses to test her and stays behind to confront the it in the book they go to confront the it and Meg's father does test them off without Charles Wallace. He does touch them to a completely different planet that we've not been before, where we meet someone who we see for a split second in this movie and never again, but someone who occupies an entire chapter in this book. So Zach Galifianakis as the happy medium is searching through planets where they've been. And so he shows the Uriel where they are and shows another ice planet. And then it shows this gray planet with these um, elephant looking things walking across the ground. And he says, oh, look, it's Aunt Beast. And then it cuts away. Yeah, Aunt Beast is a freaking character. Aunt uh, Beast has an entire so it chapter. The, it got the, uh, I mean, like, at least, or at least they, they got a mention, because Peeves didn't even get, Peeves, Peeves is not in the movies at all. Aunt Beast is part of an entire race of creatures who are blind. 
They have, and they talk and they speak mentally and they have these furry uh, tentacles and bodies and they nurse Meg back to health because she is frozen solid at the end of her encounter with it after tessering. She's like frozen, cannot move. It hurts, it hurts, it hurts. And they take her and make her feel better and, and heal her wounds. And Meg has to understand that these beings who can't see somehow have more in their lives and are less limited than she is with her eyes. She can't explain the sun to them, but they know what the sun is because the sun is warm and radiating it and makes they things have, they, grow. They, the, the feeling of it is Yeah, they more can sense everything the... and they always talk about how so limiting it is and literally come up with the name Aunt Beast because this creature is just probing her mind while she's making her feel better. Like, what would you call me? Oh, you have such weird names for me. Monster? No, I don't like that. Horrid? No. Beast. I like that one. Call me Aunt Beast. Like it's like it's so adorable. And for thirty pages, this woman, this this creature, is her confidant and shows her love and kindness and compassion and makes her completely heals her and is the greatest form of love that she has been shown in such a long time on this journey. Yeah, it's crazy that they cut her. I get why because you want to get to your climax, and in a book. It's like, we went to the it before we were prepared. We gotta go. And then the whole point of this is that at the end of this chapter... Kind of like with um, uh, Moana. At the end of... Exactly. Like, that's what it should have been. Because at the end of this chapter, Meg realizes it can be only her who goes to save Charles Wallace. It can't Uh, be Calvin because Charles Wallace doesn't have an attachment with Calvin. It can't be their father because he's been gone for most of his childhood. It has to be her to go and save him. And no one tells her she has to. She just figures it out. She's like... I have to go do this. Yeah. It has to be me. Because she is, and, and even in the movie, they do, she is very intelligent. Yeah. She's intelligent in both kind of a, a scientific kind of um, id, or, is it, or like, you know, she's very intelligent in logic, but she's also intelligent in uh, emotions. She's not, I, I think she's more intelligent in emotions at the end of the movie. She learns, so, you know, then that, so maybe that's something else that the movie did do right. Uh, but like, th- what they try to get across is that this this young woman is very very intelligent, and that she has to learn a lot about emotional uh, intelligence as well as you know um, logic intelligence. Do they do it well in the movie? Yeah. They could have done it worse. How about that? All right. Here's the one final thing, and then we'll go into our thoughts. This is the big Kahuna, though. This is like. The big one. Ooh, she's been saving it for last. I have been saving it for last. Here's the deal. Madeline Langle is a Christian, and her books heavily feature Christian themes, archetypes, and characters. And I know what you're thinking, but Elizabeth, we didn't see that anywhere in the movie. They dissected it so thoroughly, I'm actually kind of, I'm a little scared. I'll, I'll walk you through just like the steps. Okay, so. Kind of like with. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is essentially kind of a retelling of the story of Christ. So C.S. Lewis, not... yeah, C.S. Lewis did allegory. Yeah. Um, Madeline Lingle doesn't do allegory. She just creates fiction in a world where Christianity exists. Oh, okay. So let me, let me give you some examples. At the end of the movie, which doesn't happen at the end, it happens in the middle, but at the end of the movie, they give a list of all the fighters of light who have been on the planet Earth, all the warriors who have fought before. Yeah, they say it's a lot of, like, scientists and creators, like, um, uh, Madame Curie, Einstein, and honestly, they say a list, but I, I, I forget half the I list. have the whole list here. When they talk about this in the book, they say, there have been warriors of light on your planet for a very long time. You know some of them. Which one? And then she says, literally says, 
a Bible verse and they say, oh, Jesus was. Yes. And Gandhi and Buddha and Madame Curie. Jesus is literally the very first warrior of light they mention in this Ooh. book. The first. And hmm. it is absolutely. They didn't even like put it in like later in the list. It is not in that list. Okay. We have when they when she turns to a centaur and they're flying over the planet, they see other centaurs down in the field and they're singing in a language they can't understand. And Charles Wallace concentrates really, really hard trying to uh, translate what they're saying. And it's just straight up hymns. Like, heavens rejoice, the earth be glad, the mountains sing glory to your name. Like, they are all just singing praise. But are they singing Christian hymns or just hymns? No, like, like what I'm telling you, like, hymns from the Bible, they are singing. The misses... But literally, then, but then how do these centaurs know? Because here's why: the misses are literally think of us as guardian angels. They, you can tell Reese Witherspoon has a line that she's supposed to say that's supposed to be like, "Think of us as such and such, such and such." You mean a guardian angel? They don't say that in the movie because hmm. that would be too scary to say that these. Well, I guess they what they're trying to do is they're trying to keep it more not science based, but a little bit more secular. I. I, I wish that they maybe had danced around it a little more, especially since it's so, not predominant, but it's it's more predominant in the book. In the movie, they don't mention it, period. Like, I, I, I think you're right. They did dissect it so much that it's not there at all. But it's possible when, that, like... When Madeline Lengel tried to get her work published, religious people thought her books didn't portray Christianity correctly and thus shunned her. And secular critics thought her work was too religious and <laughs> shunned her. She literally was in the least enviable, enviable position possible. I'll tell you the one last thing about it that really irked me. Um, <laughs> Just and, the one. No, this really does bother me though, Aaron. This is an integral part uh, no, of this I'm, No, I'm sorry. I'm saying that because you've said that a few times. No, I know. Um, this, But the main idea of the cutting of all Christian themes. Um, at the very end, when she goes back to fight the It, uh, the missus give her a final gift, which is just... Mrs. Who has a final verse, um, a final saying to say. And she just gives it to her one fell dump. And she's like, I hope you understand what I'm telling you here. And literally, it's about how God hath chosen the weak things of this world to confront the things which are mighty. The meek shall inherit the earth. The dumb to confront the smart. The, the cowardly to confront the brave. Like, all those beatitudes where it's the meek shall inherit the earth. Like, she literally says that straight up as a gift to Meg for Meg to realize that, you know, just because I feel small and weak doesn't mean I will confront found the thing that frightens me is that the the i, I give you your faults line? no no she okay. does get her faults no okay. so the, the faults are different from this particular line but i think that's the biggest thing there's this wonderful explanation of free will given and if you cut the christianity out of it you can't talk about the ex we can't talk about free will basically they're saying to the missus what's going to happen to make when she goes back oh, we don't know that we couldn't possibly know that we know the end that she can be victorious we don't know how it's going to go think of life as a sonnet a sonnet is a very strict form of poetry. It must have this many syllables, this many lines. If it does not have those things, it is not a sonnet. But once you play by the rules of the sonnet, you have complete freedom within it. And that is the depiction of free will oh, that they are talking about. Kind of the, the thought process is know the rules so you can know how to break them. More so that if you play by the rules that you have a life that will end in a death and begin in a birth, you have complete freedom within that to do whatever you want. Mm. And you can live your life. And no, we don't know what's going to happen. We do know you can be victorious. We don't know how you're going to get there. But we know because we believe in good and light that you will. And I have to tell you this 
like all of her books are like this. It's not it's not like one book by Madeline Langle. All books of hers have she's written dozens of books. All of them have Christian themes and tones, and she's not afraid to just throw out the name Jesus in the middle of this. So it's really very, very strange to me. If any other book, I'm that here's my question posed to you, Aaron. If any other book, perhaps that was based on, um, oh, I don't know, um, uh, Buddhist teachings and mentions Buddha, and they're like, six years later, let's turn this into a young adult book, would they cut out all of the religious overtones because it wasn't Christianity? Do we feel like because it is literally Christianity that we had to trim that out because that doesn't follow a brand or a message of some point? What is it about that that scares them? I don't think it's so much a scares them. I think in the same way or in a similar way, I'm going to say similar, actually, um, instead of it being that they're scared of it, is that they're trying to represent areas that aren't as represented as much as others. So like with how this movie was not made for me, because I am not a young female, I am not a uh, uh, someone of a different um, race besides Caucasian, uh, you know, there or you know I, even myself even though my uh, uh secondary family is mixed uh, my immediate family is not mixed so as there there's some of the key demographics that this movie was made for and i don't hit any of them maybe it's something similar maybe it's because and i'm not saying that every movie ever made was made with a christian overtone or theme but Aaron, there's if plenty that this, are not if you had read this book you would have had the same thing about the book they felt about the movie you would have felt the same ideas like this book wasn't made for me would you not maybe that's 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 a possibility so here's so the question maybe they, they chose... made the mo- and i'm 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 sorry i'm not gonna fully guess because I don't know. I'm not the filmmakers. I don't know why they cut it out. Um, and I'm not the studio. I'm not the director. I'm not the writer I'm or the producers. Anything. I'm not. I'm only giving my thought process because they leaned so heavy on the thought process of science and accepting of love and acceptance that even though for a religion that really, really tries to promote love and acceptance and, you know, and um, forgiveness that the stereotype and I'm, I'm going to say stereotype but i'm not saying that the religion itself the stereotype is that if it's not in these set of rules we don't like it that's the stereotype of it. having known you and been in a relationship with you i know that's not the truth however that's the stereotype and that's a stereotype that gets reinforced every day by people who are not true representations of christianity so could this book have not had religious themes and have been the same? Absolutely. Could this movie have had the Christian themes still in it, not dissected out and been the same movie or even better? Possibly. I can't begin to understand why they just did it, but I can make guesses. And I'm going to guess that it's because it's Disney, because Disney wants to appeal to as many people as possible. That's why they bought Marvel. That's why they bought Fox. That's why they're they're trying to kind of piecemeal things together because they were so known for Disney princesses that were, you know, stuck at the top of the tower and they're now they're trying to get prin- princesses that kick ass or stuff for little boys or stuff for nerdy adult men. They're 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 trying to expand their full demographic and what they're doing is, is because they're being so inclusive that they are excluding certain sex and 
I don't believe that's right. I feel like if I, maybe they did mention Buddha in the list in the movie. That's what I'm so saying. Why didn't they? That's what I'm saying. But in the same situation that you said, is it the same situation if a boot if Buddha's rep, or Buddha is um, mentioned and Jesus is in the same breath? No, because Buddha's teachings are different than Jesus's teachings. Very true. Um, Buddha is not the son of God. Buddha is not god in a different form brought to earth to die for our sins buddha is a teacher he is a teacher to teach you on how to live the best life possible jesus is literally the son of god he's literally a piece of god put on earth to absolve and die for our sins that is what jesus is here for and i, I want you to know right right now this is coming from someone who's agnostic <laughs> So this is how great of a teacher in religion Liz and her family are. And plus, you know, we're on a religious podcast, too. So if I don't know at least half of the shit I'm talking about right now, it's my own fault. So No, you're doing the right thing. I think that's why it bothers me because Madeline Lengel isn't writing um – She's not running God's Not Dead 4. Yeah. That's not what oh her my books God. are. We want, like, half of these damn trailers, I was just like, are you kidding me? They look terrible. And we'll talk more about that in another podcast. Yeah. But I think, I think to me the main problem is you've chosen to interpret, to reinterpret a seminal piece of science fiction written by an author who was clearly, uh, she was a universal uh, she was a universal Christian, which... Um, Not a Unitarian, but close, yeah. Yeah, she had different thoughts than a Catholic does, but that's, you know, it's okay to me that she has different viewpoints. The point is that she as wrote... As she's Christian. No. no. The no. point is that she had faith in her life that compelled her to write not only science fiction, but to just, just much like this family is a mixed race and no one ever questions it, Jesus just exists. There's still there's still a creator in this universe. And the thing is, is we what we need to do is we're getting to a point with media that, like, it's not that big of a deal that this family was mixed, that... You realize that a few years ago, that that Cheerios commercial where it was a mixed family, it wasn't them saying love is love is love is love. It was literally just so happens that the little girl was mixed race and that the father was black and the mother was white. Yeah. That wasn't even the commercial. That just happened to be parts that people lost their shit about it. And that was a few years. That wasn't like in the 90s or the 80s. That was literally like 2011, I want to say. Yeah. And because of that, because that we're now only now starting to get to a point, and we're still not to that point, because we still have white nationalists running rampant in our country. Again, we're not getting political. <laughs> um, but because we still have these issues... But we're start, finally starting to get to a point where it's way, way, way more accepted. What we need to do is, okay, we've got this. Now we need to be accepting of all religions, including Christianity. Not just Christianity and not just everything else besides Christianity. It needs to be everything. If we want to be inclusive for everybody, it needs to be everybody. Unfortunately, we're not at that point yet. And that's why, like, saying Jesus and Buddha in the same things... People are going to get pissed off. People are going to get pissed off because Jesus wasn't mentioned because he was in the original book. And there are going to be people who are going to be upset that Buddha was mentioned. And then there would be people that are upset that Buddha and Jesus were mentioned in the same And then there were breath. the people who talked about uh, how Gandhi was mentioned and bless all our hearts. But we now know Gandhi was not a saint. He did many things that are not cool, bro. Not cool. And God. it's the problem of... Like, that's what I'm saying. You should be able to edit your things. Like, Madeline Lingle wrote Gandhi's name in here. And back in the 60s, 
We probably didn't know all those things no, about I, her that I don't, we know I don't, now. I don't think that stuff came out until close to the 80s or the 90s. I mean, like, um, it's like if someone put a list of this... Kevin Spacey, and it's like yeah. then like months before this happened, like, oh no, we can't know, we can't do that no more. Yeah, or like um, Stephen Hawking, who was an incredibly intelligent mind, and the his um, contributions to the sci- to the science world and to the world in general should not be ignored. But he wasn't always the nicest guy. He didn't fight the li- he didn't fight for the light all the time, guys. In yeah. his personal life, he was very much a jerk. <laughs> he he had the, the the capacity to be a jerk, as we all can. The problem is, is when you're in the public eye like that, it's easy. Like Stan Lee, Stan Lee is a very lovable guy, but Stan Lee is also kind of an asshole. It's our you know we live in a world I, I, where I know it's impossible people to are forget. trying to rip up my nerd card right now because <laughs> I said that. But if you look back at his treatment of writers especially if you were anything besides a white male in the 60s and the 70s and how he treated Jack Kirby, a white male, like all of these different areas. It's it's ridiculous. Like if if you live through that and then you see how much of a pedestal this man is being put up on because he is the the father of Marvel, but he might be the father, but he ain't the daddy to quote a recent Marvel movie. Um, it's it, it's astounding at times. So I like Stan Lee. But I know his faults, and then sometimes you have to know the faults to truly appreciate someone. Doesn't mean I like him more because of his faults. It's just you. Sometimes you have to know all of the facts to be able to appreciate the good facts. For me, I think for me it's a tragic misperception of Christianity in general and its depiction by certain members yeah. within it. But I think for me the thing is. No one, that list didn't say St. Peter. It didn't say yeah, any of his followers is, or, or, who have their own um, sins and falls. It literally said Jesus, which we will never know if he did bad things because he lived 2,000 years ago. And we have a written it. record of what he did while he was on Earth. So, but, all right, let's, so let's get on to our final notes. And um, so, Aaron I, got so uncomfortable when I brought up Jesus. <laughs> I didn't realize it. You were That's waiting, what I'm you're saying. You are waiting to drop I the bomb. I kept this hidden here because you it's... You dropped the bomb on me. It really does... Baby... It really is important to me because I feel like most reviews are not going to talk about that. And it's, it's possible, ins- especially if you've not read the book. Yeah, so. and it's integral, so it's weird not to see it. I don't believe it's integral. Um, I don't think that because she is a Christian writer, and she um, she definitely I can definitely see that there were Christian themes, like that the misses were guardian angels. I don't think they're the initial thought process or the christian definition of a guardian angel they are not sent from god they're sent from the universe so it's almost well, that's it's the interpretation almost a of... scientific christian view not a christian science because no we won't get on that right now but... but i think that's the idea is like the idea of universe the universe being treated as like if the universe sent us what is the universe is the universe god if we so are kind all of the almost universe. like a, a futurama kind of exactly um, okay so the mm-hmm. so Definitely go read the book. I think this is definitely one of those one of those things we we need to put out first is read the book. It's a very interesting book. Um, the language was a little dry whenever I read it the first time, so or read, started reading it way 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 back when. So, final thoughts. Um, go ahead and because I've got a few, and then we got to wrap up. Oh, okay. Well, let's do the plug party first. Oh yeah, go ahead. You can follow us on Facebook at Married to the Idea, Twitter at Married Number Two the Idea, Gmail at Married to the Idea Reviews. 
gmail.com <laughs> at gmail.com uh, if you forget any of those links or if I've misspelled any of them just go to our website marriedtotheidea.weebly.com you can find all of them on our contact about us page as well as links to all of our episodes on the SoundCloud we are also on iTunes and we come out try to come out with new episodes every Thursday yeah we we were not very good um, but we're, we're kind of starting to get back on track which is really nice so and yes. I've been teasing um, about something uh, coming up I'm hoping to have it roll this week but we will see mm -hmm. um this week is also looking to be very busy so final notes liz uh final notes this movie looked really cool and at times was acted i most times acted really well zach alfanakis is the happy medium the happy medium is a chick in the movie but uh in the book but then i realized that there are pretty much only female roles in this movie and i'm like sure have zach galifianakis be a well and that's the thing too um there are movies like this that a lot of times waste the people that they have. They waste the potential that they have. Um, with uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, they wasted a few of those people. Like Ian McKellen, they wasted. Ewan McGregor, they came very close to wasting. Um, they did not waste uh, uh, Kevin Klein, But in this movie, in A Wrinkle in Time, Oscar Pena playing uh, Mr. Red or... The, Michael Pena playing... Uh, sorry, the Michael man Pena. With, man the, with the Red Eyes. The Man with the Red Eyes. It's a very short role, but it's memorable, and he did a great job. Like, Michael, uh, Michael Pena is actually a really good actor, and he did a great job. Zach Galifianakis brought his Zach Galifianakis -ness is 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 to this very small role. Oprah Winfrey, uh, Mindy Colling, and even uh, Reese Witherspoon, each of them had high points. And the, I still have complaints. And truth be told, um, there's a point Mindy Colling stepped out of her comfort role for this one because she's that kind of that talkative, real like. You know, um, from the office, from the I Mindy, wonder why uh, they didn't cast her as Mrs. What's project. It because the other often shied Mrs. What's It for being too talkative. Exactly, and and that's the thing is, and Reese Witherspoon, she didn't take a, a a step out of her comfort zone, but I almost wondered why it wasn't reversed, and I think maybe initially it was reversed, and they tried it out and they liked it better because again, um, with how Oprah brought a, an interesting gravitas. Mindy Colling did too. And I think it's because we expected her to talk the entire time that when she didn't, you you almost were like, you were waiting. So you were a little bit more entranced in what she said. That being said, it there are times when it, it she doesn't commute, she doesn't express the words correctly. In the book, Mrs. Who doesn't only speak in quotes. She does have her own thoughts and opinions. I always thought that was weird that Charles Wallace said that Mrs. Who doesn't have her own thoughts, she appears to speak through others. I'm like, no, that's not exactly what's going on. What she's saying is she likes using the words that others have said. Um, she's, when she, she's thought about these enough and she's trying to use these as a way to communicate. When she does it in the book, she'll say like the text in its original Greek or Latin or French and then say such and such seneca okay. the hard man so then you like you learn because in the movie she says uh she says the quote who said it and then where what, it came from yeah uh like or like what country of origin maybe or what she was just you. scared to speak in different foreign languages it's it's quite possible and so and that's hard that's a hard thing to do so i don't i don't necessarily what i don't like is that because she did t definitely take a step out of her comfort role and i i applaud her for it so mini calling for some reason you're listening to this first off thank you for listening to this second off 
I, I want to commend you. You did a good job. You took a step out. Took a step out of your comfort role, and you weren't that kind of that kind of annoying, over talkative, a little bitchy character. You were a very withdrawn, um, emotion or um, very not emotional. I wouldn't say is someone who, who can express their emotions. Empathy, well. empathetic. Eh, where you show it, not feel it. Um, but I felt like you did a very good, or she did a very good job. However, the part where they let her be more of that character when she goes, damn, damn! or the dang, it's like, uh, it's like, it wasn't necessary. We would have been cool with that. And it's like when Oprah was the most, Oprah in her role, I was like, oh, come on. But when she took it, stop, step out, or was a little bit more motherly, or a little bit more grandmotherly even. Yeah, when she was talking like, to Meg about how she tessers, it oh was like. Oh, God. It's like, there, there are some points, and Reese Witherspoon, again, is probably the weakest out of the three, but even she had some good Well, they moments. gave her this character of, I don't know why Meg's here, Charles Wallace. She's not <laughs> very good at this. Because they, 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 they did it for the that. payoff at the end. That's the only reason they did it. They're like, I don't know about her. I, I told you we shouldn't have brought her. And they, I told you she would have been good at the end. They've had other characters, not in this story necessarily, but they've had other characters in movies and in 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 uh, in, in the arts. There's like, uh, I don't know why we brought this person along. They're worthless. Oh, I told you this person was worthless. And then at the end, I told you this person was the greatest thing ever. Like they've done that in the past, and and a lot of times it's funny. This point, it was not funny. Yeah, the, the misses aren't supposed to be funny in that regard. They're, um, I think the best humor that I can explain from the book is when um, they actually accidentally test her to a two-dimensional planet and all the children are like, because they can't breathe and you hear someone say, no, they can't, this is a two-dimensional planet, the children won't make it here, and they test her off and you see um, Mrs. Witch laughing and all the children think that she's just laughing because she doesn't understand that life is precious but then it turns out that Mrs. Witch is the oldest one and for her to even make a mistake she thought she was, you know, the oldest and would know best uh, and then she starts so laughing right, right. at herself like, I, I'm... I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe I just did that. So, there are some really good points in this movie but there are some really not well done and i i don't again i don't know if it's studio influence director producer writer I, i'm putting a little bit more blame on the writer because i just felt the director had a vision and the vision was seen a lot so it's but i feel like the writing like the the pacing in this was not very good yeah it was very strange the pacing and i know it's because there's a lot of talky bits in the book because it's a book you have to talk a lot and you have to show a lot that isn't descriptors that can take a certain amount of pages yeah so and it's in a, in a in a movie it's show don't tell that's why i keep coming back that it's the writing because all i could hear half the, for half of this movie was the song that nostalgia critic made up exposition exposition we just talk about exposition that's all i heard i'm just like oh my god they're not there's like they're not showing they're telling and it's Half of this movie was that. And then half the movie, I'm just like, get on with it. So we're, let's do a rating, and then I want your opinion. Okay. Oh, you know what opinion I'm asking for. What opinion are you asking for? I'll ask you after we do the rating. All right. So what is your rating for this out of five? It's hard to say, honestly. I want to give this movie a fair review, but I find myself uh, battled, embroiled in a battle of book versus movie. I can't tell if this movie should be judged on its success as an adaptation or success as its own standalone film. Or even as a success as a, you know, a, a female black director making Exactly. A, like, I don't want to be 
lenient on it, but I also don't want to minimize the importance of having a black woman direct a sci-fi movie yeah. for Disney. I, fa- I, I, I want to say fantasy, fantasy sci-fi. sci-fi. But, uh, yeah. it's de- the books it's are sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, but that's why sci-fi and fantasy kind of get roped together sometimes. It has to do with rules of the universe. Yeah. I find it very difficult, honestly, and because it's so difficult to pin down exactly how I should rate it, I think I have to just be equitable and say 2.5 out of 5. Okay. I have to go middle of the road here, and maybe I, with my I, opinions I, that Aaron asks for me later, I can give you more well, in-depth. It's, it's, it's a very specific question, and it's all, it's going to have one answer, and it's like a one-word answer even. So um, I get that, and, and what happens, I think you have to take everything into account, but I mean everything, you know, with... Your, your interpretation of the book, the things that they left out for the book, the things that they added into the movie, the things that the movie did right, did wrong, the importance behind the movie, the the significance behind the movie, you know, th- you have to take everything into that. And when I take everything into that, my score is actually lower. And it's not to um, demo- uh, demo- demonstracize, um, demoralize. Demonize. Eh, I don't even know if demonize. Um, the, the, the movie itself like, especially with everything leading up to it. I don't think that this director is a bad director. I don't think this writer is a bad writer. I don't think that Disney is a bad live-action studio right now, though it kind of is. Um, I don't think these actors did a bad job. I still didn't like it. I still thought that there was a lot wrong with it. Yes, a lot of it is nitpicky, and a lot of it is just like, why did you choose this? But with even with that being said, I still didn't like it. Doesn't mean it's a bad movie. So with that being said, I, I'm gonna go a little lower. I'm actually gonna say two out of five. And I want that I want there to kind of be an asterisk on that because I don't don't take this as oh I hate this movie because it was a black director, a black female director, or a female director. It doesn't matter who the director is. If a movie is a good movie, that's all that matters. I mean, that's what we talked about with Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman had the biggest shoes to fill of recent memory where it had to be a female-led superhero movie by a female director. If it had stunk, it could have killed the idea of female-led movies in general. That. And that's not, it's not fair. That's not fair it's at not all. It's not fair because there's a million duds of movies because, that well, had yeah. white directors with exactly. white leads. And Michael no one ever... Bay still makes fucking movies. Exactly. I mean, th- there you go. So, uh, so yeah, don't, don't take this as we hate it because of these certain elements. No, we're, we're taking all of that into account and looking at the final product because that's what this movie deserves. And it's not because it's a bad thing. It's this. This is what this this director deserves. This is what this these actors deserve because none of them did a terrible job. This movie is not terrible. It's not. I just don't like it. That and that's okay. Yeah. So that's that's what the world needs right now is people to say I didn't like the movie, but it was still a good movie. It's like. They're, that's okay. You don't have to hate the movie because you didn't because you didn't like it, or it's a bad movie because you didn't like it. For it's me, a bad movie because it's made by fucking Michael Bay. For me, the movie clearly wants to be an adaptation, a th- a faithful adaptation. At to times, an extent, yeah, it yeah. wants to get the main points across. It doesn't change names when it would be hard to pronounce. It keeps names, it keeps characters, it keeps figures, but. That being said, if it's going to be faithful, we have to judge it by the content of the book. And there are things in there clearly meant for just the book readers because, like you yeah. said, they went right over your head. You had no idea what they were talking nope. about. And that's and that that, that is the the beast that the, that a director has or to the tame. aunt beast or the aunt beast. <laughs> I thought you might make that reference. Uh, that a director who is at a. a adapting a book to a movie honestly probably one of the most faithful adaptations is probably the first harry potter not all of the harry potters but the first harry it got potter the feel of the 
thing. Exactly. And that's why Chris Columbus, like, he, he honestly, I kind of wish he had done all of them, but at the same time, I'm glad he didn't. <laughs> so, with that being said, it's a good movie. Take your kids. They'll like it. You may not like it as much, there but they'll no like it. There are no bad messages in this. Oh, God, In fact, no. I would say there are more good messages exactly. than anything. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's a reason why you should take your kids to see it. You, again, you may not like it, and they may not enjoy it as much, but there's some fantastic But this is better messages. than Sherlock Gnomes. Please, just take them to see something of quality. This is something at least of quality. I, these movies, those freaking kids movies. So there are no fart jokes. Let's let's put it in yeah, that. There's not a gnome in a freaking mankini. Yeah. So um, there are a lot of good things about this movie and there are a lot of not so good things about this movie, but it is still worth a watch. Go watch it. Visit our um, Facebook like that. Follow us. Uh, subscribe, whatever. Fo- uh, check out our website. Uh, and if you guys have an idea for a kids movie or a book versus movie. Oh, that's the question. Which was better, the book or the movie? Because we'll end on that. Book. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right, guys. Until next time. She's been Aaron. She's been Elizabeth. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.